You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins, your host. As always, this week, we've got Brendan Tolmy back in the studio to talk about... Regional WA. Regional WA. <laughs> we do this most of the time. I try and line up having a metro chat, and then we get you back in to talk about regional stuff. Yep. I'm assuming the theme of this is that it's a little bit of a mixed market around the state. Yeah, well, I think our theme's probably post-COVID. We've seen the pressure on regional markets all across the country on the way out of COVID. So then everyone stops now and looks around and goes, okay, what happens next? So new year. I think there's a bit of sentiment around in terms of 2022, we thought we're out of COVID, but we weren't really. And now 2023 is actually, oh, well, we're out of COVID. And I get that it's still around and people are still getting sick and all that kind of stuff. I'm just meaning it's not uh, really people's the attitudes anymore. to move around. Yeah. Bali's open, the, the other northern suburb of Perth. People are back there. Uh, there's clearly still some hesitancy. And so that's where we start thinking about, well, what's the new normal for 2023 of things like travel, do people still need that holiday home? Is still is there still pressure on that that short term rental market across regional markets across all of Australia? And obviously, we want to focus on WA. Yeah, are people still making the tree change and the second, third holiday homes down south? Was it just a blip on the radar with COVID and people regretting that decision, or is it smashing through? How are our mining towns going? Yep. Those are probably the questions I'll ask you today. Yeah, cool. And then the other part here is obviously interest rates are a theme in terms of them going up. Holding so costs for the second home. What's the holding cost for that second home? Reality starts biting. That's yeah. the cash flow that it costs me to hold a holiday home. I'm not maybe getting the return, but maybe I am. Let's you know, yeah. have a chat. All right. You want to start with Bunbury? Yeah, so Bunbury, interesting market in terms of it having increased over a period of time. A key infrastructure asset in terms of a regional town, probably less affected by holiday makers, uh, inverted commas, in terms of uh, that being a preference for your down south second holiday home. Going okay in terms of we're doing a large volume of valves through there. Why? And that's because values have gone up and have remained up and are continuing to edge in the, the northerly direction. Do you reckon they'll keep going that way? I think there's enough demand to underpin it at this point in time. And I think there's a little bit of evolution going on there. So Greenbushes down the road is the largest and longest operating, continuously operating mine in the world, let alone lithium mine. Massive expansion and it just... Some of that's flowing into in through Bunbury in terms of commerce, and then you've got the port facility that remains busy. Uh, obviously, there's some coal issues going on there as well in terms of, unfortunately, that product coming back into that port. I think that just creates enough of a local economy churn to continue to put pressure on rents and therefore capital values. In can, there. I, can I just ask you a silly question? Why do people choose to live in Bunbury? If you're, if I'm an East Coast person listening to this, yep. can you answer that for them? It's a bit like, uh, you know, why do people live in infrastructure asset towns along the East Coast? So why, why do you choose to live in Gladstone or Newcastle? Bunbury is, it's only a couple hundred k's south of Perth, but it creates an integral infrastructure hub for Western Australia, and in particular that port infrastructure, obviously. And then there's the affordability part around it as well. So the fly-in, fly-out type worker that might go to some of the suburbs around Bunbury, places like Australin and Eton, and that lifestyle change of being connected with the Southwest. We're blessed with all of that opportunity in the Southwest, and clearly Bustleton, Dunsborough, Margaret River, yelling up those locations are more sought after as holiday homes in comparison to Bunbury. But Bunbury creates that gateway to all 
all of them as well. So mm. yeah. you're that much closer. It's that much cheaper. And if you're not really Perth centric, then yeah. it offers a lot. And it has the infrastructure assets there. So you know, shopping centers and and, and it's not large a small town. supermarkets. It's not a small town exactly. Yeah. Okay, so pretty standard upswing. We're expecting Bunbury to track with Perth. Yeah, with Perth or maybe just slight behind it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, Bustleton, what do you think? Bustleton, Dunsborough, put them together? Yeah, so we've called the peak of the market down there and we're seeing it just drift south slightly. Why? And that's just because of that holiday home buyer has generally exited the market there. Don't get me wrong, there's still a lot of pressure there, but it's the most interesting market that I can see in terms of what happens when the market senses that it's peaked. You have vendors going, oh, no, no, it hasn't it hasn't peaked. I still want top dollar here and it's going to go north and I'll hang out for my top dollar. You've got agents trying to get a sale because that's how they earn their money. And you've got buyers coming through going, I'm going to lowball this. So I'm coming in for a bargain. And so somewhere there, they need to start meeting in the middle. Discounting. And, it's, and, yeah, yeah, and who blinks first? So does the vendor need to sell? Are they selling because of death, divorce, taxes or interest rates? And which bit of pressure gets applied first in terms of then discounting to come back to where the uh, the buyer wants to be or does this buyer still end up paying nearly top dollar? It, it's a really good question. Rental market's still really strong in terms of getting returns in there and creating pressure to get out of the rental market and into the purchase market. Okay. Can I ask you a frank question then? Is the Dumbensborough Bustleton market overvalued right now? I think that there's still a lot of supply pressures going forward there. But as in undersupply? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So undersupply, but also in, in terms of our professional opinion is that the, the value's peaked. So inherently, we're saying it's probably going to drift south from where it is. Yeah. And don't take that as go and find a bargain because the vendors aren't going to let you buy a bargain at this point in time. There's not a fire sale going on down there. Yeah. Mm, okay. So it's still undersupply, but probably a, a drop in demand. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so we will see supply go up and the demand has ebbed away. So therefore, it should mean that values continue to, to look south. Why do you think this is the case? Is it because the bubbliness of prices there was really driven by that COVID second home luxury cash splash? Yeah. And now people are probably making decisions with their money. I want to start traveling. I want to probably don't need this house anymore. Or is it because we saw two or three years of massive increase because there was that market that we don't normally see and now that market's probably not there as much anymore so it's just softening and it's, it's not falling away and it's not eroding massively it's just softening yeah and so the buyer profile basically is changing and which creates less demand so less uh, investors in there less holiday home buyers and essentially you're seeing people go well do I need my holiday home anymore interest rates maybe biting a little bit or how many times am I going to holiday down there now that I can travel the world again yeah all right albany denmark yeah so still really strong market down there upward pressure on good quality product in both towns massive undersupply issues in both towns creates both rental pressure and capital value pressure again i don't think we're talking about exponential value increase here but it, it continues to be on the up cycle why is that market more correlated to bunbury than Dunsborough. I think that it's a case of having had more supply on the way in and then a, a lot of permanent accommodation being taken out of the market through COVID, some of that returning to the market and then continued pressure on that local economy to find permanent accommodation going forward. Is it also a bit of a factor that it never saw the massive price rises that Bustled and Dunsborough did anyway and it's not at a price point that's unaffordable either? Yeah. So there's probably less downside risk, is yeah, that why? And, and I think there was probably a, a few more tree change type people there so people that have moved Permanent to those movement, locations yeah. for permanency so they've created a pressure that stays there as opposed to the, the holiday house pressure that's in Dunsborough. 
All right, let's move directly north. Let's go straight up to Cal. This yep. is a cool story, I think. Yeah, so Cal's still a, a positive in terms of values on the upside. There's still a lot of pressure on, on the town in terms of accommodation supply. Uh, clearly, it's very difficult to create supply of housing in regional WA. It's an expensive to build. It's hard enough in Perth. Yeah, and thankfully, Cal is big enough to have some locally-based builders and state government intervention through development WA creating some some land in that location. That's really important, isn't it? If we didn't have Dev WA putting their balls on the line, yeah. you just you wouldn't see any new. Yeah, well, it, it's yeah. just not viable for any private enterprise yeah. to go in there and lose money effectively. I'm not don't know whether w, development WA. I um, would suggest put losses they would on it, lose yeah. massive amounts of money. Yeah, it would yeah. be a massive loss leading yeah. item. Which is the whole point of government, yeah. right? They're not there to make money. They're there to provide infrastructure, just yeah. like a road, yeah. for people to live there. Yeah, and it's pretty visionary. I, I think it's it's a, a job very well done. And so things like gold and lithium through there and all of those other metals that are required for batteries and some other processing plants that are being built around Kalgoorlie just continue to put pressure on supply. So is this demand. a new age for Kalgoorlie? It was, is it the cyclical thing yep. where this gold's going to go up, gold's going to come down? Or with yep. the whole battery thing, is it a brand new age where we see, no, nah, this is probably got a real good sustenance now for some decades to come i would say it probably is the latter as in it, it uh, you know i hesitate because it's been so cyclical but with linus corp through there building those processing plants and creating new industry then you've got to think that that puts that longer term pressure on the town yeah that's exciting yeah it is because it is. Cal, yeah, yeah. you could buy a property in cal for just over 100 grand yeah a few years ago, yeah. You know? Now and it's it, double that. Yep, and it creates opportunity for all of those locals to stay and have a long-term career there. Yeah, Geraldton. My interesting story for Geraldton is in our office we have a competition that we're running again right now, and obviously this is last year's result. So please predict your highest growth suburb in anywhere in WA. So it includes suburbs of places like Geraldton. And one of our admin team who is originally from Gero nominated uh, for 2022, nom- nominated Moresby. And that won. And I think we're up over, we're around about a 65% growth for the year. So Is that real? Yeah, well, it's... It, yeah. You can see like for like the properties have gone up 65%. Yeah, and that's Rewa stats. Yeah, and obviously we're comparing average transactions. But um, that gives you an example of what's... You know, I think if you go back 12 months, and I'm guessing a bit here, there'll be very minimal transactions in Moresby. So you're coming off a very low base. But it does tell the story about Gero in terms of the whole of the, the city and its surrounding suburbs have come off a very low base, having struggled for local economy traction over a long period of time. And, and the story remains positive in there. What's changed though? There's a realisation that the, the market genuinely bottomed out. And we see that you know in Perth, but also in the regional towns. That means that confidence restores to the town and the local economy takes off a bit and a couple of projects happen and things that the fundamentals are remembered by the marketplace and then they come through and start going, okay, well, I'm going to buy. And there's a few things happening up there, things like solar projects and wind projects and some data projects and those kinds of things that add add to that confidence. Mm, I'm not entirely convinced about it, but at the same time, it's it's nice to hear. It is. It's nice to hear. Right. Port Hedland? Yes. uh, Port Hedland going okay at the minute, ticking along on activity. The government have been running a uh, buyback program through Port Hedland around the port. With the dust. Um, Yeah, because of the effects of dust on the the Port Hedland town centre or or the residential part of the town centre. That continues. 
that doesn't so much. It's got a, a process that it follows. And so that doesn't put uh, pressure on house prices other than the fact that it's essentially taking supply out of the market longer term. And again, we go back to that construction cost and, and the future supply of further accommodation in Port Hedland and the question around how that gets into the market into the future. So that will continue to put um, capital value pressure on prices in there. Rents have probably settled down a little bit. So we're not talking exponential growth in there at the moment. But as we've talked about in the past, those markets go through some cycles and it's kind of in one of those cycles where it's slightly calm at the, at the minute. Is it a place you'd be buying into right now? Well, you know, the ideal time to buy is already passed. Yeah. Uh, so you'd want to be making sure that you understand what sort of rental returns you're going to get in there, bearing in mind things like insurance costs going through the roof because of flood events and those kind and fire events in the past, those kinds of things, not in Port Hedland, obviously. But um, uh, so you just want to be making sure you're, you're getting a maximum return on anything you're buying as an investment. Yeah. yeah, for me, I'm not sure that the risk reward is there for me anymore. Yeah. Yep. And I don't know how many people would get it right with regards to what the next two to three years looks like in Port Hedland. Yep. Caratha. Yeah, so Caratha sitting, uh, well, it's holding steady is, is the feedback from our value in town. No massive increases, which so it's is- come off the boil? Well, yeah. So there's just less activity, but values aren't going backwards. About a 5% increase maximum in some of the segments. So, you know, probably single residential type housing that is of decent quality. We're still way below the last buying boom levels though, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so still good reasons to buy in there in terms of an expansion town and a town that continues to um, consolidate itself as the the hub for the northwest of Western Australia and the hub of of mining and gas in in all of Australia. So that creates some of that that buying demand. Then the other buyer profile in there is still companies coming back into town to buy housing to shore up their own supply. Rents are still increasing, so that means that capital values will probably follow in that next cycle and a, a lot of uh, in terms of creating supply a lot of owners would be holding on to what they've got at the moment there's no if there's no price pressure to sell and their rental return oh, is their okay rent return would be great yeah so rent return best houses in Caratha now hitting $1,900 a week there you go Trent it's uh, the yes. people on the east coast who are sitting there 100 going, grand a wow. year yeah it's ridiculous Gross, hence why then the companies come back into this buying cycle and say well We'd rather do I'm that sick of paying pay that rent. for my workers to yep. be in that house I uh, might as well buy some and use the, the capital in, in the business to go and buy a house and, and provide the accommodation also i.e. there's an issue there around trying to get their workers to come to town you know it, we need to own the house Otherwise, no one's going to move here. Mm. It, it's, I continually feeling that Carath is really maturing as yep. a location. And whilst we might not expect price points to at any point soon get to the levels of the mining boom before, yep. uh, it's probably at a more mature, realistic price point now where you go, well, yeah, as long as your ass doesn't fall out of the mining industry, which I don't think is happening anytime soon in Perth, yep. it's the sort of place where you're probably confident enough in the price yeah. going forward. Yeah, yeah. At the very least, you'd rather do that than rent. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so if we then kind of tie a few of those locations together and we go back to that question around what's different about Bunbury and you get back to basically education and infrastructure. So Bunbury you know, has tertiary education there or secondary and, and tertiary education available and local. And until places like Albany get that tertiary education facility, Caratha uh, expands its secondary education ability and maybe goes to tertiary then those cities stall in their, their expansion to become supersized. And obviously, that'll happen over a period of time. Yeah, I guess if you're not having fantastic high schools and a university 
then you will continually have a brain drain, won't you? Yeah. You won't have people who are living there for 70, 80 years. Yeah. And then we bring that back to Dunsborough. I think it's really interesting. And, uh, you know, this is a bit left field, but you look at some of the talent coming out of there now. So there's a you know, top 10 draft pick for the West Coast Eagles. There's the wild thing, uh, Lance Morris <laughs> bowling in, in for the Scorchers and potentially for Australia. Now, they're kids that grew up in Dunsborough whose parents would have been that generation that moved down there for a lifestyle change in the past and they've stayed down there and that this next generation's been educated and now coming out of that location. I think it's really interesting to watch that evolution. Look, it sounds like we're seeing a maturing and balancing of the regional market in 2023 where there are fundamentals for sustenance and growth, we'll see it, and possibly where there's a little bit of COVID overhang in the southwest, for example, yeah. we will see a, a rebalancing. Yeah, absolutely. And again, people looking to get into those markets need to do their research uh, in, in regional WA. Broom. You want to talk um, about Broome? Sorry. Town's going crazy because of post-flood effect and mm. obviously that's one of the jump-off points to go and sort the issues out that have happened in, in Kununurra and in between Fitzroy Crossings. So How does it affect the property market going forward? Uh, well, what it affects there is, so we think the market's probably peaked a little bit there. Rents have still got a lot of pressure. So capital values have probably peaked slightly and coming off a little bit, but still very strong rental returns there. And then I think the local economy is the really interesting headline there. Tourism operators doing all they can do to maintain their customer base and continue on the boom they've had post-COVID. And then local business owners very confident about what they do and the amount of return they've made on their businesses and then therefore doubling down and reinvesting in those going forward. So we expect Broome to remain a a destination of choice for all of Australian holiday makers over the next um, 12 months or so. And it's Are they cleaned up yet? How long is it going to take before they're 100% back? Uh, well, I'm told that tourism operators are up and ready and want to continue to operate and maintain bookings and would do everything to not cancel because they understand that that brings the people to town. So as far as I know, they're, they're trying their hardest to get things uh, moving. And then the, the, the issue for the, being the jumping off point for Fitzroy Crossing's recovery is that the town's kind of already full and already really busy. So how do you put new infrastructure or new supply of what's required for recovery on top of that? Yeah. Mm. Well, that's fantastic. Busy place going forward. You know, one thing we haven't really spoken about, which it's a 20-second conversation, I guess, is immigration. Like yep. Borders are open now. There are still countries, look at China, yep. right? Only just opening their doors up. The amount of tourism that we haven't got yet from the international market, yeah. and you put that on places like Dunsborough and, and Broome, yep. who are already sort of at capacity in a lot of those spaces, Albany too. Yep. Hopefully, that's a, a bit of a helpful shot in the arm that we haven't actually factored in yet. Yeah, and I think uh, what we've seen in Broome, down into Exmouth, and then down into Dunsborough is those European backpackers that are that are here and occupying all of those locations, and they've now worked out that they can work in Broome in in southern winter, and then now they're down in Dunsborough, and same for Exmouth, work the the whale shark season up that way, and then when that's finished, they can go down south and enjoy summer down there, and and obviously get a paid work in both, all of those locations. So hopefully they're telling their mates and that creates that supply of workers that we need for tourism and hospitality going forward. Brendan, thanks so much for your regional Cheers, update, mate. We'll have you in a couple of months. I Great guess. to talk about all of WA. Thanks, Brendan. Thanks, Trent. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!